It's in the news today, but it was actually on TV Reload, the podcast, last week. Welcome back, guys, to TV Reload. As you may know, my name is Benjamin Norris, and this is your podcast to get all the inside goss on the popular TV shows you may be watching from around the world. Undeniably, our TV sets are a major part of our home entertainment, and yet very little is known about how our favourite shows get made. So each episode, I've been finding guests that want to dive just that little bit deeper into the shows they're currently making so that you can hear all their exclusive stories and gain access to the biggest names in Australian television. I want to thank you for downloading or subscribing to this podcast however you found me. I love hearing your feedback, so make sure you leave a review or a comment on your chosen podcast platform. On today's podcast, I have Graham Hall, otherwise known as the Dog Father. He's talking to me from the UK. He's a dog behaviorist from Network 10's latest lifestyle series, Dogs Behaving Very Badly. Graham has helped more than 5,000 people and their furry companions in the UK. Now he has arrived in Australia, ready to turn his hand to Australia's most chaotic canines. Narrated by TV Week Gold Logie 2023 nominee Julia Morris, Dogs Behaving Very Badly Australia is holding Australia's naughtiest pooches and their owners to account. But will Graham's mantra, any dog, any age, any problem, ring true down under? I will talk to Graham about whether or not it's fair to call all the dogs naughty, when in actual fact, most of the time it seems to be the owner's fault. Graham will talk about how he came to specialising in dogs' behaviour and where the nickname Dogfather came from. I will find some tips for you and your dog, and you will get some insights that will change your relationship with your pet for life. Plus, we will get plenty of exclusives from behind the scenes of Dogs Behaving Very Badly, which premieres this Thursday at 7.30 on Network 10. And of course, you can catch up on 10 Play if you miss it. Anyway, let's bring Graham into the podcast. And guys, I really hope you enjoy this very insightful episode of TV Reload. Hi, Graham. How are you? How's the weather over there? I'm very well. It's summer here, so um, oh. uh, summer's what you describe as winter, basically in England, <laughs> as you probably know. <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah. Did yeah. you get good weather while you were here in Australia? I did. You, you know, it's a funny thing because they planned to start, um, you know, filming the show initially uh, January, February. Right? You're going to go to Australia in January, wearing a tweed jacket and a waistcoat and a cravat, and you're going to be filming. And I said, "Hang on a minute. You know what the weather's like in January in Australia, right?" So, so we actually started filming in March. But um, got to Sydney, and everybody's saying it's unusually warm March. This. So yeah, thirty-eight degrees one day. Uh, <laughs> could have done like a you know a cross promotion with Bondi Rescue, and we'd have to rescue Graham on the beach from heat stroke. You know, yeah, that'll be the kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I um I I got very used to SPF fifty sun, sunscreen slip slip slap slosh. Is it? What's the thing you say? Yes, it I, is. I've got very into that. Um, so uh, no, we had a lovely time. And then I discovered Victorian weather, which was very different. Uh, you know, everybody says four seasons in one day in, in Melbourne. Well, I, I think it's not so much that as if you don't like the weather right now, just wait 10 minutes because it'll be different. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to you right now from Melbourne, and I like to describe the weather here as bipolar. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's about right, isn't it? It's about right. So, yeah. This must have been really fun to come over here and share your knowledge on dogs because you're so recognizable at home. But, mm. you know, how did this show come about for you in Australia? Yeah, well, I think the story goes that the boss at Network 10 was chatting to the boss in Channel 5 in England uh, about television shows. And the, the, the boss here, who's a 
big fan of the show themselves basically said, you want some dogs behaving very badly in Australia. Um, and, you know, guess what? That became the title. So it, it all went from there. Somebody got in touch with me and said, hey, hey, how do you fancy going down under to do the same show? So I had to think about that for about a millisecond before I said yes. And here we are. Well, our dogs behave badly, just as badly, very badly compared. Do you know the question that everybody asks me is like, were our dogs worse than, than, than the UK dogs? Um Generally speaking, I would say people are people and dogs are dogs pretty much wherever you go, right? Okay. Um, but, but, big but, and it's a good but. What I did find in Australia is is real positivity from, from people, you know. You, you get it here in England, um, but you do get a few sort of like, oh, it's never going to work, you know, and a bit of that. The phrase for me that defines Australia, and it's not all the things that, that, that the Brits think that Aussies say, like fair income and all that malarkey, right? It's actually, I'll give it a go, right? Because <laughs> I would say to people, this is the problem. This is what I think we've got to do. Bear with me with this. And the, the thing I heard almost every single time was, yeah, okay, mate, I'll give it a go. And, and that's Australia to me. It's a, it's a country of people who give it a go. And I love that. I love it as well. Do you know what's so funny about the title of this show, though? For me, I mean, we can't call it this because it wouldn't work because it's, it would get people, it'd give people the wrong idea. But I feel like it should be humans behaving badly because after I watched a few episodes, I didn't really take task with the dogs. I started taking task with the people. I was like, yeah. is this a dog problem or is this a person problem? <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, funny enough, I've said that myself in the past over here in the first couple of series, you know, um, you know come on, Technically speaking, it's not really the dogs behaving badly, or at least if they are behaving badly, it's because the humans made them that way, you know. Mm -hmm. But actually, a show called Dogs Behaving Very Badly Because Their Humans Made Them Behave Very Badly Australia, it, it, it's not going to fit on your programming <laughs> guide, is it? <laughs> is that, I don't know if that's, is that longer than I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, you know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> It's getting I there. Think it probably is. It's getting yeah, but there. Even that one, we just shorten it to I'm a celeb, don't we? Yeah. So, um, but yeah. Now, but you're absolutely right. It is about the people. And an old dog trainer once said to me, it's actually the guy who got me into this because I was doing it as a hobby. I had two Rottweilers of my own, uh, young dogs, young male dogs. And I thought, right, these two have got to be immaculate because, you know, Rotties have got themselves a bit of a reputation, probably unfairly. So I thought, right, these two are going to be trained to the nth degree. And then this guy said, look, why don't you take this up professionally? So, so I, I said, okay, well, that's an interesting thing. Why? Why do you think I'd be good at it? And he surprised me because he said, you're good with people. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that's nice to hear. But I thought you might say dogs. Um, and he said, no, no, you're good with dogs. And lots of people are good with dogs. But, and, and, and this is the key thing, and it, it's never left me. You can only fix the dogs through their people. So you've got to get the people side of it. And it's also not good enough for me to just turn up as a sort of dog handler, do some magic stuff, show off a bit, and then go, there you go, I'm out of here. It's very much about, that's how it works, but you two can do this, and I'll let you into the secrets of how I just did that. And that really is what this show's about. I was going to ask you, is it like being a psychic medium? And like, just one day you have a spiritual awakening, and like Ace Ventura, a whole lot of dogs just followed you home? Or, you know, <laughs> had you been sired in some way? But really, you're just a psychologist. Yeah, it's it's very largely logical, right? But there is a tiny percentage of I don't know how I knew that, and and I'll give you an example. We were 
we were with a dog. Uh, this was in New South Wales. It was a dog who didn't like getting into cars, would not get into a car, and it was it was having a big impact on the owner's life. And we just sort of assumed that this dog was being a bit stubborn because he was a he was a greyhound. He could have jumped over the car, right? Mm. Let alone get into the back seat. So I'm just looking at him, thinking, oh, he's just he's just yeah, he's just digging his heels in, and he ain't going to do it. And then I sat in the car because I thought, right, what I'll do is I'll show him. I go in the car first. It's fine, and then he can follow me, lead, and then others follow. Right? Why push a dog from behind? Mind, when a dog's thinking, well, you're not getting him, why should I? I'm going first. Because I was in first, I could see his eyes as he's looking at the car, and everything changed in that moment. It went from he's just being stubborn to I could see him kind of going, oh, I, don't, oh, I, don't, I don't know how to do this, you know? And it's like, oh, I get it. So your mum knew you could do it. I know you can do it, but you don't know you can do it. You're scared. And there's so there's a lot of logic to what I do, but there is that moment where it's a bit of feel. You know, you just look at a dog, and I can't explain exactly how you'd know this, but you just look at me, you go, "Oh, mate, I get it. Right, you need a bit of help." So then the logic kicks back in. It's like, okay, how can I make a stepping stone for this guy to get in this car? Right? How can I sort of convince him that he can do this? I put the front seat forward a bit so he could get onto the into the footwell of the of the back of the car, if you imagine, yeah, and then jump on the seat from there. So do this first, then do that. Do this, do that. Do this, do that. All right? Two or three times of that, and he's like, oh, I can do this. Yeah, yeah, you can. You always could. Oh, jump in then. Yeah, there you go. And then there's a lovely moment where the lady tried it for herself. Dog jumps in the car next to her, and she was really emotional because it's like, oh, all he needed was me. I went, yeah, there you go. So there's that, you know those two sides of your brain, the sort of logical side and the creative yeah. feely side you know the touchy feely bit you need both sides actually it's not all logic but it helps to think with your head a bit, a bit as well i just like the fact that people call you the dog father like this is the coolest nickname <laughs> for you i did you self-impose that like were you having a a wine or a sherry with the missus and it just yeah. dawned on you or did someone did someone give you that nickname <laughs> Uh, I, no, I've got to say, I, I did sort of give it to myself. I, I okay, wish great. it was the case that somebody, it would be a bit more honourable if somebody else sort of <laughs> did it. Now, I'll tell you what it was. I started the business off. It's an interesting story. I'd, I'd been working for a big breakfast cereal company, Weetabix. You've got Weetabix, it's Weetabix in, in Oz, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, and I was pretty senior with them. Uh, and I jumped out with the package, as you do. I thought, right, on to the next start of my life. And I was going to do something else, not dog training. Long story. But I thought, right, okay, I'm going to do this dog training thing because this guy said, you know, maybe I'd be good at it. Um, I need a catchy name, you know. And because, uh, you know, Graham Hall dog training, you kind of forget it, don't you? And I was sat walking my dog. Uh, I was sat in the car about to get my dog out to go for a walk at the local dog walking spot where everybody goes. Lady turned up who was a professional dog walker. Uh, and in the back of the estate car, she'd written her name and the dog mother, two separate words. And I looked and I thought, the dog, dog mother. Oh, you've missed a trick there because it should be one word, shouldn't it, really? I was like, dog, dog father, the dog father. Oh, you beauty. Here kind you of go. felt Graham there for a second that you were going to say that you leaned back in the car and did the godfather accent to the dog walker. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, well, I did a quick search online. Thought, oh, turns out the the, the website's available. Nobody's got dogfather.com. Nobody's calling themselves the dogfather. So I'll do that. Bit of fun, right? The first website was, to your point, was, uh, you know, give us a ring and we'll make you an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> Well, I realise it sounded a bit aggressive, but you know, I'm <laughs> no, but about, that's when you I'm knocked them of off fun. and officially became the Godfather. You if got a hit one, on yeah. them. <laughs> 
You so, own yeah. that nickname now. <laughs> Do you know, it's funny because over the years, I've kind of gone, oh, maybe, you know, maybe it's just a bit too cheesy. Maybe I should step away from it. And nobody lets me step away because everybody's like, I love that name. And they go, well, let's roll with it then. You need to keep it. You need to put that on a pin and you need to keep that. Have you found dogs that you haven't been able to fix? And I'm sure you have. And what do you do? Is that a letdown amongst yourself? Do you feel terrible that you can't fix this dog? I mean, what happens when you find yourself up against the impossible? Yeah, no, you're right. And, and there are things that are pretty much impossible, right? So I would always say you can always improve things. You, that, that's for sure. There's always something you can do, right? Very rare that you're going to go to somebody's house and they're doing everything right. Okay. And I don't mean that in a funny way. You just, it's literally, look, if we can find things that you're doing wrong, that we can improve on, then that's good, isn't it? You see my point. However, right? And you, you knew there was a big book coming in, didn't you? There are situations where you look at a dog uh, in a particular household and you just think, do you know what? This is not a, a match made in heaven. So let me give you an example. Let's say I go to a house and it's a dog they've just rehomed. He's a bit aggressive. Um, you know, he's, he's, you know, those dogs that you can't quite tell. You, you can almost hear the Jaws music in your head. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> and then you know, he has a go, right? And in this house, and, and I, I can think of one that happened in the UK like this, there's a baby who's 10 months old, just started to crawl, and I can see this dog giving him side eye, and I'm thinking, look, I can improve things here. I could give you false hope that it's going to be fine, but in my heart of hearts, I know it's probably not, actually. And I want to be able to sleep at night, and I want you to be able to. So the right thing to do in rare circumstances is to say, do you know what? The best thing for everybody is probably you go separate ways, actually. Yeah, rehome the dog. Probably have a yeah, the dog will have a better life somewhere else. You'll be okay. Your baby will be safe. I'd be doing the wrong thing to say, hey, hey, we can fix everything, you know? Yeah, the thing I was going to say about that, you know, which I find really interesting and I was wanting to talk to you about is, is it hard to be the person who has an opinion on dogs and to be an expert? I mean, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to be that person and you are going to give people information that sometimes can be uncomfortable. What is that like for you? Do you find yourself in some awkward situations? You do, and you, you kind of learn to, to I suppose, to, to impart that news in the right way. And that, it comes back to that thing about having a bit of sensitivity for people, you know, and, and, and reading people. The glib answer to that is I'm a Yorkshireman, right? And we're famous for having an opinion on everything, right? You can always tell a Yorkshireman, but you can't tell him much, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it comes naturally to me to say, yeah, okay, I've got an opinion on this and it's this, but there's always some logic and some reasoning behind that. But this is, it's a bit like being a vet. Now I'm, I'm not a vet, but there are times when a vet has to say to somebody, I'm afraid it's not good news. Okay. Here's the outlook. Here's the things we can do. We can manage this situation. I can't cure this. Right. And, and that's often the case with me. Well, I say often, not so often as vets, actually. More of the time, it really is a case of, okay, I think we can change a few things and we'll make a big transformation here. And that's what you see most of the time. There's always an undercurrent at the end of the show, which is keep practicing. You know, you've got to keep at it. You've got to keep this stuff up because if you don't, it will probably slide. No surprise, I guess. Does having a strong opinion, though, leave you open for criticism and how do you deal with that? I'm only asking you this because I'm a very opinionated person and I find if I hang my hat on something, it's not a one size fits all. And being an opinionated person can allow yourself to be open for you're wrong. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. does having a strong opinion leave you open for criticism? 
Well, it, it absolutely does, of course. Um, and it, you've got to be intelligent about this. I mean, it, it's not a one-size-fits-all for all dogs, but there are general principles, right? So let's say, for example, a general principle, you should always reward good behaviour. Well, not very controversial that. Don't think I'm going to get criticised on that one. Uh, another principle might be, look, if you want to reduce an unwanted behaviour, whether you're a human or a dog, that behaviour either needs to, to have no outcome at all, in other words, attention-seeking, ignore it, for example, or in an appropriate way, right, very important that, there needs to be some sort of consequence, right? So if you or I cross a line somewhere, there's got to be a bit of a consequence, otherwise we don't learn. But that consequence is going to be appropriate. Now, some people might take me to task on that. But I'll defend that one because I think I'm right. But ultimately, you get to a point where you say, Do you know what, you've got your opinion and that's your way of seeing it. I've got mine. We're all entitled to an opinion. Nobody's necessarily right. Nobody's necessarily wrong. Somebody might like what I say and vice versa. And that's the way of the world, isn't it? Well, you might be like me. I mean, I'm opinionated, but I also really like opinionated people. Strange part to my personality, though, is I'm a bit like Hannibal Lecter. Oh, actually, not a good analogy. I don't eat people. Um, (laughs) But I find in conflict that I love opinionated people, but I never see someone being right or wrong. I don't see myself as being right or wrong necessarily uh, because someone can argue with me and raise a point that can change my mind. And so therefore I love good, I love an opinionated person because I'm never taking it personally. You're right. That's really interesting. That's very much like me because what I've always said, if if I get into an argument, I say argument, I mean argument in the sense of discussion, you know, so you're putting your point forward, they put their point forward, they make a really good point. You think, hmm, I'm very happy to go, do you know what? You're right. I hadn't thought of that. And I'll, and I'll switch the thing. So Again, it's quite a fun thing. This people say, "God, you're always right, aren't you? You just, you just, you're always right." I'm like, "Yeah, that's because if I ever discover, if I ever discover that I'm wrong, I'll change my opinion. I won't be wrong for long." Yeah, I do you know, and do you know what's so weird is sometimes I'll be really belligerent. I'll sound really opinionated, which can intimidate, you know, can intimidate people a little bit, so mm. they sort of back away. But I can, I can then be swayed. So it's, it's an interesting yeah. way to be. I think it's a, just yeah. a part of my maybe dominant personality to portray things that way. But as I said, and like you said, you know, give us the right piece of information and and we'll take it on board. It's interesting, this conversation, because it it also reminds me of one of the the other things I discovered about Australia and Australians, if I may. Um, And that's that you love to just call it like it is. So it came over with a guy from England who I've been working with for years, um, directly, you know, and he works behind the camera and all that. Uh, and he was having a discussion with somebody in a, in a, in a meeting uh, and uh, they came up with an idea and he said, it's very English, this, he said, hmm, now, my only concern with that is, and everybody looked a bit perplexed and I said, Michael means that's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's like, well, mate, just, just tell us it's a better idea. That's fine, you know? And I, and I love that about us. It's just like, just nobody's going to take offense. Just, just say it like it is. And do you know what? That's a bit like dogs. Dogs are just like, look, if I'm naughty, tell me. If I'm good, tell me that. How, how else am I going to learn? Don't couch it in lots of sort of grey, fluffy terms. We don't get that. Cut to the chase, you know? Mm. Cut yeah, to the chase. Dogs love a chase. How close do you think over your time with dogs, like how close to human behavior are our pet dogs at home? Because I swear my pet dog is close to, I mean, his personality is so big, I feel like he's close to talking to me and I relate to my dog and I can see my behavior mirrored in some way. So I just thought, you know, how close to human behavior is dogs? Pretty close. A lot, a lot. 
a lot more close than people traditionally would have you believe, right? So um, when I first started this, it was very much the case. And when you study any animal behavior, they really tell you, you must not anthropomorphize, i.e. humanize dogs or animals in general, right? They are different. Of course they're different, but they ram it down your neck so much, you'd be forgiven for thinking that never the twain shall meet. Anything that you're ever going to learn about human psychology, they ain't going to apply. Oh, that's completely different with a dog. The truth is, it's not. The, the, the sort of bottom end of human psychology, the simple stuff, what motivates us, you know, why we do things more, because it feels good. Why we do things less frequently, because it doesn't feel so good that's the same with dogs so there's we've got a lot in common and interestingly when you even things like uh, medicine right you talk to a vet about uh, dog medicine human medicine things like paracetamol it's the same thing right they get chicken flavored and beef flavored by the way we just get ordinary paracetamol <laughs> um a, a, a lot of our dna is actually shared but back to your point, you look at a dog and you think, yeah, I think I know what's going on. Talking to them too much in great big long sentences, they don't get so much, you know. They get tone of voice and they get uh, facial expressions. So we know in the last few years, because they've used uh, very clever video, tra sort of eye tracking technology, showing dogs videos and, and working out what they're thinking uh, by looking at a screen with a person's face, right? Uh, we now know that they understand uh, what a frown is and, and a smile and all that kind of thing. So wow. the, yeah, the, there's loads we don't know about dogs, but the more we learn, it seems to me the general trend is we find similarities. So I'll give you an example. Um, where on a, on a human's face do you reckon a dog is focusing to figure out what we're thinking, what mood we're in? Have a guess. I would say the eyes. You would, wouldn't you? I would have said that as well. It's not but is eyes. it the teeth? You, uh, that's also what people tend to say next, mate. Right. <laughs> okay. it's, I'm out of guesses. <laughs> you're going to love this. It's your forehead. Well, that. that but my partner's got Botox, so like I don't understand. He must be really confused. He must have no idea. There you go. <laughs> well, that does happen, actually. Yeah. Now, the forehead, right? Uh, the muscle across the, the the flat muscle across the front. It's called the frontalis muscle, and it's that muscle that drives your eyebrows, and that's the bit that makes your eyes expressive. Because your eyes themselves, all right, you, your pupils dilate, but really, that's not a big deal. The thing that we think makes eyes expressive is it's your eyebrows. So when I said to you, "Oh, where do you think you know? It's not your eyes. It's your forehead." Your eyebrows went, "Oh." Right, and so if you <laughs> think about a frown, it's that oh, I'm not happy with this. Oh, really? Or oh, and then there's the oh, I love you sort of eyebrows, you know. So dogs <laughs> focus there, and they go, all right, okay, I get it. Um, and secondly, you're going to love this. Your nose, right? <laughs> we're not so aware, but when we're scared, our nostrils flare just slightly. We're talking millimeters here, right? Oh no, mine are a lot. I can literally pick up foxtail from my house, like from my nostrils. Oh, go. I got a big nose really? though. <laughs> <laughs> well, because a dog's down there looking up there. It's a bit like being at the dentist. You're always looking up their nose, right? So uh, a dog looks at you and, and, you know, so let's say it's a dog you haven't met and, you know, you look at them and you go, oh crikey, this is a big dog, right? Your nostrils flare, the dog is, ah, you're scared, right? So they're picking up on all these little things about humans and they understand us kind of more than you realize. And, and that's just the visual thing. You think of all the other senses, they're pretty good at picking up human emotions. So, yeah. My, my, my dog actually does like my partner a little bit more. And yet, so while, while he's away, I sometimes get my phone out and video chat the dog and the dog does not respond even in the slightest nothing audio uh -huh. audible at all even though that's his favorite person's voice like oscar could give 
no no care to the phone whatsoever. And it's almost Mm. as though he can't hear my partner or he can't see his face. What's going on when I'm trying to video WhatsApp my dog to my partner while he's overseas? Well, very unsatisfyingly, the answer to that is that's one of those things we don't entirely know yet. We'll get there. (laughs) What I will tell you is some dogs do get it and some don't, right? Ah. I I think it's something to do with the electronic sort of medium, right? You and I look at a screen and go, oh, okay, yeah, that's that guy. Um, And that's his voice. Some dogs absolutely get it, some don't. So I'll give you a good example of that. I used to have these two Rottweilers, Axel and Gordon, right? Axel never watched the telly, didn't get it, didn't understand why everybody's looking in the corner of the room everybody's mad right he'd walk off and go into the kitchen gordon would sit there he'd watch the telly he'd love it you could see his his little head go from left to right or something crossed the screen you know and then one day dad got a television program (laughs) so so we put it on the first night it's it's gone out right gordon's between me and the telly as you can imagine right so (laughs) on comes the show on comes dad's face dad's dad starts to talk right and it was hilarious he looked at the telly (laughs) and then he looked back at me and then he looked at the telly, and then he walked out of the room. He just couldn't cope. Bless him. <laughs> oh, back <laughs> there's two on? of them. <laughs> so what we do know is that some dogs do get it, and yeah, some right. dogs just don't like yours. And, and yeah, why? We don't entirely know. Did you get a chance to meet Julia Morris? She does a fantastic job. She's hilarious narrating this show. I'm sure you've seen the yeah. first few episodes. Did you get to meet her in the flesh? You know, I didn't. And that's one of oh. the, it's it's one of those things about working in telly. Often you don't meet those other people. It's such a shame. Maybe if I come back, I mean, what we've got to hope is that everybody loves the show and then they want a second series and then maybe I'll get to meet her. Well, but, maybe we'll get you to come back here just to, I don't know, see what, see if you can tame a dingo, you know, we've got yeah. other things for you to do. Well, I had to go to an Aussie cattle dog. So, uh, and you don't see many of those in the UK. You did well. (laughs) Well, the last question I have for you is something I ask everyone who joins the podcast. I think this is episode like 298. Um, What is something from behind the scenes, something that we won't see, maybe kind of like a bit of a behind the scenes secret of you making this show, maybe even in the UK and now here in Australia? Oh, that's a good one, isn't it? Um, People often ask me, do you really fix this dog in a day? And I always say, no, actually, I don't probably in about an hour to two hours, because what you see of the whole day probably took 10 hours to film, because the bit in the morning where I'm in the car going, today I'm going to this place to see this kind of dog. Well, we probably filmed that a couple of times because I stumbled over to my words or a bus <laughs> went past or whatever. You're only human. And then, yeah, you're only human, yeah. And then you're going to see that car drive past, aren't you? So the person who was with me in the car had to jump out with some, get his tripod ready. We drove past two or three times and back in the car, Go to the house, then you're going to see me get out of the car, and then you're going to see me knock on the door. You get the idea. By the time I actually meet the people, it's probably 10, 10.30 in the morning, and then we have to talk about the problem, and then I've got to see the problem. The actual training bit, you know, typically takes about two hours in the afternoon. So Unbelievable. Uh, when, yeah, it's real pressure. It's I reckon it's one of the trickiest jobs in telly because you're not just presenting a show. You've got to make a difference to a dog such that the owners, who aren't actors, of course, uh, hopefully at the end of the day are going to say, that's amazing, it's like a different dog, you know? So all day long, I'm listening to the problem, looking at the dog thinking, blimey, can I really do this? And I've only got maybe a couple of hours to bring that change around. So yeah, do I fix it in a day? No, I don't. Mate, I just want to say thank you so much. I have really loved the first few episodes of this show. I think Australia will too. You're an honorary Australian, if you ask me, and I look forward to talking to you. you maybe in 12 months with Series 2. Hey, let's hope so. Honorary Australian, I'll take that. 
That's a great feeling. Thank you. <laughs> we'll have to speak to the missus and see if she wants to move here permanently. <laughs> <laughs>